What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. How are we doing? Are we doing well? I hope we're doing great. I hope you had yourselves a wonderful weekend, and I hope the start of this week is just you kicking dicks in. That's right. The dicks that need to be kicked, you're fucking stomping them, right? You're letting them know who you are. You are absolutely owning whatever you need to own, right? Whatever your job is. I don't know what your job is. I don't know what, you're, what you do, but if you work in a cubicle, you own that fucking cubicle. Here's what you do, all right? You listen to this in the morning, maybe on your way to work, and you work in a cubicle. You walk in. Here's what you do immediately. No matter how you pee, you fucking piss. You make a line around that cubicle. What do you get? Three quarters of it. A cubicle is three, but you get two sides to it, right? Whatever it is, the perimeter of your cubicle, you urinate, right? And you, you know you're discreet about it because you're classy. But if someone says, "I smell urine," you go, "No, you smell someone who's going to fucking win." That's what you smell. All right. And if you're a guy, you fucking you wiggle it around. Right. You shh, like you're a kid fucking around with a hose. And if you're a woman or however, you you know, because it's a new world, however you want to be, you have to do it where um, you're up on top of the desk. You don't want to pee on your own desk, though, because that's filthy. But like if you could like you ever see a female dog pee with one leg up, kind of one of those things. One leg is kind of buckling under the weight, but the other leg is up saying I'm here. I'm here, universe, and I'm going to win. That's that's just all. This is the advice I want to give to everybody. This is how I think we should be starting off our weeks. All right? Okay. So, uh, and if you won the Mega Millions, don't forget about me. Throw me some of those Mega Millions. I'd really appreciate that. I'm off to a good start uh, for this podcast because I'm drinking a nice cold Budweiser beer with the Chicago Cubs logo on it. You guys all know I'm a diehard Cubs fan, so it's tasting extra good because it's got my team's logo on it. If my team's logo wasn't on it, this would be fucking piss water. But it's got my team's logo, so I'm loving every second of it. Tasting very yummy. <sighs> you like that? I like it. And I'm eating a bag of Lay's potato chips because um, there was a good deal at the store on Lay's potato chips. So now I'm going to eat the first bag. It's like three bags for 12 bucks or something or 11 bucks. And so whenever you get a big bulk item like that, you're like, you know, I'm going to eat all of it in one day because then I won't feel so bad because I still got two more bags. So I'm going, I'm going hard after one bag of Lay's and then the rest of it, I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy on. I got some notes here. Uh, you know what, though? I want to start off talking about this. Well, what the hell am I doing, Joe? You got to start off with a little gratitude, okay? I want to thank all the Patreon subscribers. You all are fantastic. I love you so much. Uh, you guys could also join the Patreon uh, for as little as uh, just a few bucks a month, whatever that is. I don't know what the tiers are. I forgot. But go to patreon.com slash Joe Kilgallen. You get bonus content. I throw bonus episodes. I've been throwing some stand-up sets on there. I've done a couple of those. Uh, there'll be some more coming your way as well. So, yeah, feel free to uh, support the podcast. You know what I got to do? I got to get a list of everyone's name. I keep telling myself I'm going to do this. And I'm going to shout you all out on the podcast. I got to start being better about that. So, I apologies. Apologies all around. Um, and then, um, yeah, anyone who su su subscribes to my YouTube, I had a little like a uh, glitch there. So, so subscribes, like, what was that? My robot and I, I need some more, I need some treatment done. I need my wires crossed. Any, any, if you follow me on anything and tell people, share videos, whatever the fuck it is, I love you. And that needs to be said. All right. Um, I saw this article and it just, uh, made me shake my head immediately. Forget 10,000 steps. Here's how much science says you actually need to walk. So the 10,000 steps number always felt like a number pulled out of someone's ass, right? Because it's a it's, it sounds like a lot, and it is kind of a lot, but it's got that like round number vibe to it. 
You know, some things where they go, you need 10,000 of something. You're just like, really? Okay. Or whenever they say like, oh, we believe uh, this happened 100,000 years ago. I'm like, really? Why not 97,000 years ago? Because no one talks like that. That's that's the key. You know, I really wish as a society we had more. You know why I'm stuttering? It's because I ate Lay's potato chips before talking into a microphone like a fucking dick. And now I've got pieces of it in my teeth. And I'm going to pick at it. And you watching on YouTube are going to enjoy this. I got to get out. You know, you get it in your like back molars. That's why I, I, I've been stuttering this whole episode, or not really the whole episode, a couple times. Nevertheless, so, um, totally lost my train of thought because, or so the 10,000 number, it just feels like, you know, I wish we could talk like that. It'd be nice if you could say to your friend, hey, I'll be there at 907. And they're like, 907? What do you, why don't you just say nine o'clock or even 910? Why, no, you'll be there exactly 907. That's how those people talk. And it's like, no, I'm just an adult and I don't need to go by the zeros and the tens. I think Larry David went on this rant once in an interview. Um, as I'm saying it, you ever just hear a lot of shit <laughs> as you say it? You're like, this doesn't sound like an original thought. And it doesn't. Um, but I've often thought the same. I've had similar thoughts that good old LD has had as well. And so when I hear the 10,000 steps number back when that became a thing, it's because it was on your Fitbit. Fitbits became popular. They were like, hey, how do we sell people on this? You have a goal. 10,000 seems like a good goal. 4,000 is the number they're saying now. This is what the article says, because they said 10,000 is really what it is. It goes walking just 4,000 steps per day, less than half of the 10,000 steps recommended. Really? Is that it's 4,000 less than half? Is it really Time Magazine? You fucking dipshits. Maybe enough to help extend your life, according to a new research review published by the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology. See, the European Journal, that surprised me, because I feel like 4,000 steps is like something Americans would come up with. Look, Americans, I love us, but uh, when it comes to laziness... We got we to gotta own that we, we are much more lazy than our European counterparts. And I know that because everyone I've met that goes to Europe or everyone I met, everyone I meet that is from Europe, they always talk about how they walk everywhere and the walkability. We just love walking. God, you Americans will drive four blocks to for anything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're not wrong there. And if you look at footage of us walking around, sometimes it's a waddle. All right. Just saying, I don't see that in Europe too often. So the takeaway shouldn't dissuade anyone from taking a longer stroll. The researchers found that more movement is better with each additional 1,000 steps per day associated with a roughly 15% lower risk of premature death. But it joins a growing body of research that suggests workouts don't need to be all that grueling or lengthy to improve your health. Everything from walking to housework to dancing can contribute to well-being, studies have shown. All right, now look, I agree with, every, with all that, of course. I just don't like the idea of being like, hey, 10,000 is what we've been preaching for a while, but now we're going to say 4,000. If anything, you should be telling people 4,000 is the minimum. It's a good start. Aim higher, as always, but 4,000 is a good place to start. You know, when it comes to your health, you always should be, you know, mindful of it and always be pushing yourself more through what you can handle and all that. Uh, as far as them saying that it doesn't have to be grueling, you know, exercise and working out and all that. That I also agree with. I remember coming across this interview. It was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It was an interview with George St. Pierre, who's one of the, if not the greatest, one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time, uh, two-time UFC champion or two different weight classes. Uh, I think he had one loss in his career and it was even a little fluky. Like just a guy who had different styles and went up and down weight classes. To me, to be considered the greatest of all time, and fighting, especially UFC, you have to go up 
or down a weight class. You can't just fight the same weight the whole time, unless you're heavyweight, because I feel like heavyweights are allowed to just be like, dude, I'm huge. I'm going to be huge forever. Because um, every now and then there's a fighter who will just dominate one weight class. And it's like, all right, now go up. You Nothing left to prove here. Don't you want the challenge? And a lot of times they don't want the challenge, right? They're thinking of legacy and things like that. And a little respect to him, but it's also a little bit like, mm, all right, you're great. But to be considered the greatest of all time, you need to take those challenges. Okay. You got to take those challenges and answer them because other fighters did. And if they're going to do it, then you should too, if you want to be in that conversation. Now, anyway, so his trainer was on the Joe Rogan podcast and talked about how he thinks it's stupid for fight, uh, not just fighters, but anyone working out to work out so hard that they're sore the next day. He goes, I would rather, he goes, think about it this way. If I have you working out just up before you get to the point of soreness, then I get more workouts out of you. You don't have to have as many rest days. These people who work out to the point where they're, they're beat aren't going to have as good a workout the next day as if you hit. And so I kind of thought about that and he breaks down the math way better. And um, it made sense though. The whole time I'm like, yeah, it doesn't kind of like, you know, like numbskullish to be like, I'm going to fucking work out until I can't lift my arms the next day. And it's like, well, then you're not working out the next day. And if you are, it's, is that a good workout? Is that a safe workout? Like in professional sports, they always say injuries come from fatigue. If an athlete's fatigued and they're still playing, they're more likely to get injured. So like with major league baseball pitchers, that's the one that still shakes, makes me shake my head. Cause it's the one thing in all professional sports where they're doing less of what they used to do. Well, basketball too, basketball is load management where guys will have healthy days off. It's like, hey, we're have, we have back-to-back games this week. We have a game on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. We're going to have you sit on Tuesday and then play Wednesday because we don't want you playing two days in a row. We think you'd be fresher and healthier longer. It makes sense, but it's also like I thought we had the best nutrition in the world, the best trainers in the world, the best everything in the world. I just think when it comes to stuff like that, as fans, we need to remember that when we're comparing eras. So if you're comparing guys who are going all 82 to guys who are going 70, they're going to be fresher. They're going to put up better numbers because they're never playing tired. That, that's something you need to think about. And I look at that with baseball, and the old thing was uh, that's why pitch count is ma- matters more than innings because these guys used to throw so many pitches that in those last 20 pitches when they are up to like 130, 140, that was when they were more likely to get hurt. So when everything started to shift in baseball where hitters started taking more pitches and working the count because they knew the pitcher was on a pitch count and these hitters were like, I want to get the starter out of the way because most bullpens suck. That kind of changed everything. I think back in the day, it was like first ball, fastball, fucking swing at it. Like if you were a major league baseball player in the 1940s, 50s, 1960s, even up to the 70s and parts of the 80s and 90s, if you took a first ball fastball, they would call you a gutless turd. Your whole team would be like, why the fuck did you stare at a fastball right down the middle? Because often that was the best pitch you were going to get. They'll throw you a fastball right down the middle, challenge you. If you took that for strike one, now the pitcher's like, all right, I'm just going to fucking throw a little curveball outside. I'm going to fucking bust you inside a little bit. Now I'm in the catbird seat. I'm in control. So that's why they didn't do it back then. They were like, you you know, unless you're a leadoff, you're a leadoff the game where it's like you want to give everyone else a chance to settle in. And you're a punch and Judy hitter anyway, right? That's what they call them back then. These little slap hitters who were at best were going to get a single anyway. Then, yeah, you work the count. But if you were any kind of threat power-wise and you took a first ball fastball, you brought shame to your entire family. You know, your, your, your family, if they had caller ID, which they didn't for a long time, but they wouldn't answer your call after that week, probably. You know, like if you were like a guy in his 60s, and your son played Major League Baseball, and he took a first ball fastball, 
whatever bar or pub you go to, you wouldn't go to until he fixed that, until he cleared his name, right? You take a first ball fastball in the first inning, fine. But then if you go three for four the rest of the game, then it's like, all right, you can show yourself. But if you go over four, and one of those one of those at bats was taking a first ball fastball, and you were fucking weak. They called you yellow. They would they would say it was yellow, but they said it like yellow. You're yellow, and that whoa, holy shit. Those aren't even fighting words. Those are, those are we're gonna we're never talking again words. Those are um, I'm out to hurt you words. Those are if you have a sister, I'm gonna fuck her and never call her again words because you don't say that to to another man. That's that's how serious it was to call someone yella back in the day. I just want to be clear about that. Okay, so you know I, I the ten thousand steps thing I still think was a nice thing to root for. Four thousand steps I get pretty naturally just walking around the house, but it's a start. I think movement is the key. If you don't have a Fitbit, I do endorse them because it acts as a watch. Uh, mine gets text messages, and it keeps track of your steps. Just give you something to look at. You be like, all right, I got to keep moving. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing right there. Just keep moving. Uh, get the blood flowing, and then you know, get in your little little routines. I was talking to a comedian friend of mine, Kristen Toomey, who's phenomenal. Check her out on YouTube, Kristen Toomey, unbelievably funny comedian, and just one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, she told me about how she did yoga for the first time. She'd been trying to, she'd been dying to do yoga for like eight years, and she finally went to her first yoga. And I said, "All right, now the the goal isn't going to yoga; it's getting dressed to go to yoga. Because once you get dressed, then you'll go to yoga." In this book called Atomic Habits, he interviews this famous ballerina in Manhattan, and they asked her what her routine was, and she said, get in the cab. And they're like, what do you mean getting in the cab? She goes, that's my routine. My routine isn't going to the dance studio every morning. It's getting in the cab. That's all I think about is get in the cab. Because once I get in the cab and say to the dance studio, I know I've won. I've won my day. I'm going to do what I have to do once I get there, of course. So she just, it was just a different mindset, just a different way to think about it, you know? And she's like, obviously, I'll have bad days training, good days training and all that stuff. But getting in the cab, that's just that's it's that simple. I make it that easy. So whatever you are, whatever your thing is to help you boost your morning, if it's get in the shower, sometimes you have to just be like, get in the shower. Yeah, I won't. I can't look at my phone until I take a shower. I can't do anything until I get in the shower. Just whatever. Like, that's just an example. But whatever you need to then get you going. So I told her, I'm like, put the yoga clothes on. That's your goal. Once you put them on, what are you going to do? Lay back in bed, dress for yoga. Although it might be pretty comfy, who knows? But that's just things like that, whatever to keep you in that routine. Very, very important. Um, I did mention some UFC stuff a second ago. Uh, there was a big fight over the weekend. It wasn't UFC, it was boxing. Jake Paul, or is it Logan? I was getting confused. It was Jake Paul. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, 10-round boxing match. And... Um, it really feels like a match when you watch boxing, unless the guy gets knocked out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because it does, you know, there's a lot of it's it is a sweet science. There's something to it. You get trouble, you get to lean up against some hog. There's advantages, things you could do. And it's funny to watch the MMA guys go into it because there's always one thing they do where you're just like, oh yeah, you don't really box regularly. You, you might you say you train for it, but that's not the same as having actual matches on a consistent level. Like when McGregor fought Mayweather, Mayweather a couple times turned his back to him and ducked, and McGregor was like gonna pop him in the back of the head because he's just used to MMA style fighting, where it's like, oh, you're gonna do, you're gonna show me your back, I'm gonna fucking punch you in the back of the head. That's called rabid punching. It's not allowed. Mayweather knew to take advantage of that. 
And McGregor was, he didn't get a lot of clean shots on it because he's turning his back and, you know, the ref would stop him pretty quickly, but it was enough to keep wasting his energy. And that's where Mayweather is one of the greatest boxers of all time because of uh, his strategy and his cardio. He's phenomenal cardio. He's hard to hit. He's not a knockout guy, though. And that was the big thing. I remember saying to myself and to my friends when that McGregor-Mayweather fight went down, people were like, Mayweather's going to kill him. I'm like, he's not going to kill him. He's going to beat him. He's not, trust me, he's not in any risk here. I mean, yeah, you're going to take a lot of shots to the head and all that, but he's going to, McGregor, even in, before that fight, was known for not having good cardio. His early matches would be like first round, second round knockouts. And whenever he went deep, that's when he started to really not look good. He'd get gassed. So I remember thinking to myself, like, Mayweather doesn't knock anybody out. He couldn't knock McGregor out. McGregor's actually got a pretty good shin. He's only been knocked out once in his career, and this was a couple years after the Mayweather fight. So I said, I'm like, dude, this is great for him. He's most likely going to, I mean, I would, at the time I wasn't going to say for sure, but I'm like, he's going to lose. I never want to say for sure when it comes to anything, but he's going to lose, but he's going to make by far the most money he's ever going to make in a fight. And he did, he made over a hundred million dollars and he's going to do it with very little damage. And that's the truth. By the end of that fight, Mayweather was hitting him, but it wasn't like damaging blows. The thing with McGregor was he couldn't keep his arms up. He was so exhausted. You ever gone on like a strong run or, or any type of like this cardio where you're just so beat and your legs feel heavy and you're like, oh, God, I can barely like, I remember doing two a day practices or doubles when I played football in high school and just like those few first early ones, those first few practices of doubles before you start to get in actual shape where just you stopped to throw up. You couldn't do anything. And that was the thing with McGregor. He was so spent that by the ninth, tenth round, you could tell he was barely keeping his arms up. It wasn't just like he couldn't defend himself. And that's why the ref eventually stopped it, being like, I got to stop it because even though these punches are just jabs and, and Mayweather doesn't really have strong knockout power, I mean, the guy weighs 150 pounds soaking wet. I It's the number of punches will add up, and then they will fuck you up long term. Um because you could tell even when he blew the whistle and called it, the ref, did they blow a whistle? No, they just waved their hands and then they hit the, the guys hit the bell. McGregor looked at him like, oh, really? And it's like, yeah, dude, come on. You can't look your arms up. And then McGregor kind of like, yeah, you're fucking right. Dude. I don't want to lay down. I'm exhausted. It was rough. And it, that's the thing, too, because you're on your feet the whole time, the bouncing. And these boxers are in incredible shape. So that's where you got to give Jake Paul a ton of respect anyway. I still, Jake Paul can box. He could box. And the difference is when he faces these MMA guys, I think MMA guys don't take the big wound up punches that you see boxers take. I've noticed that with a lot of these guys. Uh, McGregor never really wound up against Mayweather. Maybe once or twice he tried to. He got that nice clean uppercut, but it wasn't like a full-on direct hit. But like Nate Diaz against Jake, it was so many just weak jabs where I'm just thinking like when he got up close, there would be some damage because he got so close to him. And Nate's got great cardio, Nate Diaz. And look, I like Nate Diaz. He's entertaining. And that's what he was doing. He won, he won a few rounds. But toward the end, I feel like he was just trying to be entertaining. And, he, you know, he's kind of doing that, like, mocking Jake and laughing and pointing and fucking around. Because that way he could spin it for a rematch. I wonder if that was the strategy. Uh, but also, Nate Diaz is 38, 39 years old. He didn't look like he was in great shape. Jake Paul is in, by the looks of it, fantastic shape. His cardio held up pretty good. He did look like he was getting winded at times, but he still held strong overall. And that dude, like, look, he trains. He trains. They do. These guys, I, I don't know who put it in their head. To, like, they were athletes. They were high school wrestlers, I think. And But if it was their own idea 
tip of the hat to them because they're clearly very smart at monetizing their celebrity. They got really big on YouTube. They capitalized on that craze and found an audience and did a good job with it. Then from there, it's like, where do we go? All right, we do our own podcast. All right, great. That's going to be a hit. It's just another piece of content to go along with the YouTube channel, another revenue stream. Awesome. What else can we do? Now we have a name, we have a following. Uh, let's see what musicians do. Well, they sell concert tickets. So they're going to make bank off of that. They can sell out things. What could we sell out? What, 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 speeches? No one gives a fuck about that. We don't have any actual talent. We can't play music. Music. We're not comedians. What? All right. What about boxing? We'll do like low level shit first. Then we'll build ourselves up. And then, you know, and he built himself up. He's got one loss, and it was to an actual boxer. So that's the thing. If you think about it, his only real loss is to a legit boxer. And so that's why people are still like, this guy's got to fight more real boxers. And that's kind of my thing with him, too. You've proven you could be past their prime MMA player, stars. Ben Askren doesn't count. He was never a fucking boxer. He was always a wrestler. And not and, and by that point, he was done, um, out of shape and just wanted the money. Tyron Woodley, I thought, would put up more of a fight. He did have a some stuff to you, but no, nah, it didn't work out. Um, and then the few other people were old, right? They're old and past their prime. And, and they always do this thing with the weight class thing. Where I'm like, why does he look so much bigger than the guys? And they're like, well, it's not really a thing. Or it's, I don't know. what like, They're just doing some different rules. Um, I didn't pay for it, by the way. I went to a bar after doing a couple shows at Laugh Factory and was able to catch the fight. I wouldn't pay for it. I'm sorry, I wouldn't. Um, if someone was having a party, I'm like, oh, we're going to throw it on because five bucks a person. Sure, why not? But not really my thing. Anyhow, um, you know, I don't want to go into too much, but I wonder if Nate Diaz is trying to angle for another fight. And even so, I still don't want to take anything away from Jake Paul. Um, I don't know anything about the Paul brothers, so I didn't have a natural hate for them like a lot of people did. I think a lot of people were just like, who the fuck are you to think you could do this right away? But I remember the very first thing that kind of put him on the map, which was against Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson was a tiny NBA player. So right away, I'm like, this is, I I just don't understand why this was made and why are they, they, they don't weigh anything close to each other. Why is this? I, I just couldn't get it. So I thought it was going to be one of these like celebrity matches that you see every now and then, but then he's trying to go into real fighting. And I just think he needs to fight more boxers or he's always not going to be taken serious, but maybe that's part of the game by not being taken serious. He's going to have people interested to watch him fail which is kind of what Mayweather did toward the last 10 fights of his career. He made it, <coughs> excuse me, he made it so people hated his guts. They'd buy his fights in hopes of seeing him lose, playing that heel role in professional wrestling. Actually, his brother, Logan Paul, is looks great as a professional wrestler. So and that's another thing you got to give these kids credit for. Kids, they're both, they're like 10 years younger than me, if that. So you got to give them credit because whatever they do pursue, they're not half-assing it. And they're putting in a lot of work to be good at it. It's not something where it's like, oh, I'll get in the ring every now and then. You could tell they're putting in a lot of work, um, whether needles are helping, who knows, pills. I don't know how steroids are used these days, but they're just, you know, fucking around a little bit. But because I, I do want to give them their respect. I have no reason to hate them. I don't know what they're fucking, sh- I've never watched one of their YouTube videos in my life. Um, it could be terrible, uh, but or they could be great. I don't fucking know. My point is just viewing them from a, a standpoint of, boxing in the entertainment world and how to sell something and the gimmick of it all or whatever the fuck it is they seem to be putting on good shows these ufc fighters are getting paid um and yeah so yeah tip of the hat all right switching gears here a little bit i want to talk about dumb old fucks uh this is a thing i've noticed and it's maybe it's post-pandemic maybe people's brains just went to mush when we had to be inside all the time for such a 
uh, you know, decent amount of time. Um, the time it felt like forever, but looking back, it wasn't that long. I missed that first wave. That first wave felt good because it was like, oh, we're all grounded together. This is great. We're just being in our pajamas every day. I'm not getting a haircut for six months. I don't know. I kind of thought it was fun. <coughs> the people dying part sucked, of course. I twist my words, internet. Um, and then the second wave sucked. And then it did suck. Obviously, I, well, like, I miss social interaction. Let's get the hell back out there. But uh, these old dudes, some of these old dudes are just getting dumber. And they're not like old, old. Because look, when I was growing up, at, like when I was like 10 years old, People in their mid-60s were what we would equate to people in their late 70s now. People are starting to live longer and age better. So when I hear about someone, when I, if I was 10 and I heard someone was 63, I'd be like, well, we're getting up there. But not right now, if I heard someone's 63, I don't think they're old. That doesn't register as old, old to me. If I hear 73, I'm like, yeah, kind of old. 80s, yeah, you're old. 90s, Jesus, dude, you're knocking on heaven's door, right? Like, that's the thing. I'm driving my car. Coming back from, um, I don't know where, I think I just ran up to the grocery store or something. And I see these two dudes way up, like they're a whole block ahead. We're on residential streets, side streets. And I see them standing in the middle of the street. And I'm like, what are they doing up there? And I, as I'm getting closer, you know, I'm not going super fast, 20, 25. You know, it's again, residential street. And as I'm getting closer, I'm like, are these? And then they start to sense a car. Then they start to slowly move. But I still had to slow down. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I looked at them. They were like 57 and maybe 60. I'm like, what the? I wanted to roll down the window. I, I, I definitely made sure. I didn't roll down the window. I'm getting more mature. But I made sure I had a look on my face where if they would have looked at me, they would have sensed my annoyment. Here's my look. It looked like, what the fuck are you doing? And if they would have looked at it, it's like, what? I'd be like, I would have stopped, rolled down my window and go, I mean, what? How, how old are you? And you're standing in the middle of a fucking street? What are you, stupid? Get the fuck out of the street. Get out of the road. People are trying to drive. You're having a conversation. Well, yeah, I was about to cross to my side because that's where I'm parked. And he was on this side. So we just started talking in the middle. No, fucking move. Okay? I, we tell little kids to look both ways constantly. And here you two old pieces of shit are standing in the middle of the street. It just annoyed me because it reminded me how often lately I'm seeing people of a certain age where I'm like, do you not have any common sense? Like, I, I get it. You, you hit a certain point in your life where you get so old, you forget all the things that were common sense and that came natural to us when we we're younger. You know, like there's a certain age, you hit a sweet spot in life as, when it comes to common sense. I want to say, God, I don't want to say teenage years, but in your teenage years, you know enough not to stand in the middle of a street to have a conversation with someone. You know, it'd be one thing if you started to cross and someone's like, hey, by the way, and then you kind of stop there for half a second. But once you realize they're going to give you more than just a quick story, I mean, quick, like if, you, if you're stopping to turn around, they tell you one thing and you're like, all right, yeah, cool. Later. Hit me up. All right. Yeah. Text me about the rest of that. But this guy stopped and it, and it starts to go on. You go, all right, let's go back on the sidewalk. So I don't know what it's, I'm going to say 17, let's say from 17 to maybe 52. It must be that sweet spot in which you just remember things. But once you start to get over that hill, as you start to get older, those little normal things start to fade away. I see it constantly. When I'm in public, I'll be walking. I remember we were walking. It was like a group of people at a, at a it was a fucking Cubs game, you know? So it's like, you know, it's a packed baseball stadium. And all these people are walking. And all of a sudden, this old guy just stopped to start, like, adjusting his glasses. And people are, like, stop behind him. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, idiot? Can't You don't sense hundreds of people walking behind you? You move over to the side and let people go. I couldn't, like... 
And it just made me think of all the times I used to play golf with my dad. And, you know, when he was younger and alive, um, my dad passed away at 67, but he still had it all together. Those are the things I'm thankful for. As much as it sucks, him dying without any warning. You know, I talked to him two days before, less than two days before, and he seemed like as great as he always was. Sharp, hilarious, just everything as it should be. And then you just go to sleep and don't wake up. As much as that sucks, because there's no closure and you just get stabbed in the chest with grief. Um, I'm also happy I didn't see him deteriorate. Um, you know, to those people who have to witness loved ones, you know, it, that's horrible to witness and you have memories of them like that. I don't want to argue what's worse, but I do think it's worse to have the gut punch because at least you can mentally prepare yourself. And when they do go, because everyone I know who's had that, it sucks. It's agony to see someone you love and care about just fade away and lose their thoughts and memories and all that. Um, not counting Alzheimer's because that does seem to be the worst because they know you remember their loved ones at the end, but to see them dying there at the end they always have the same response like when i've gone to wakes and funerals they go i'm just happy they're not suffering anymore right um so i do feel like you mentally prepare yourself a little bit more when the death is like that where you don't get to mentally prepare at all when they just go out of nowhere um but i remember golfing with my dad a lot and we would always get stuck behind whenever we got stuck behind really old people he'd be like i mean you're fucking 70 years old you'd think by this point you'd live long enough not to be such a fucking idiot <laughs> I love that shit. Hopefully we all live long enough to not be such fucking idiots. Let that be the goal. How long do you want to live? What age do you want to reach? To the point where I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean, hopefully by, by the time I'm a certain age, I know not to be so fucking stupid where I'm holding up lines like some people do. All right, you guys were awesome for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the Joe Kilgallen podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. I was sipping some Budweiser today, uh, eating some Lay's potato chips, just being a real pig about it. Um, I hope you have yourselves a wonderful week, like I said at the beginning. Take it on, baby. Right? This is your week. You're going to kill it. You're going to shine. All right. Love you all. Cheers.